A good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Packed House. My name is Mickey Doolittle, alongside Aiden O'Connor and Grant Salzman right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. It is so great to be back in studio with everybody here. Guys, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday here in Columbia? Yeah, 60 degrees today. Perfect. Two days after Super Bowl, exactly how you want it to be. I think it's supposed to snow on Thursday. So well, here we we'll are. talk about that later. Let's enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> I think, are we all wearing shorts? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm Perfect. wearing a short sleeve t-shirt right wow. now. I got I got the pants on. This, this, I'll tell you what today, today is golf weather. It's yeah, it perfect. Is. Yes, oh, it is. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Nice little par three down the road from here, too. Yes. We have a packed show for you right here on the packed house per usual here today we will be going over the super bowl that just happened on sunday it was a great game rams Bengals. also we will be going over some olympics content here today for the first time on the packed house in addition to it is nfl draft season baby let's go yes, i'm gonna give is. you my top five quarterbacks in this year's nfl draft and in addition to that aiden is going to give his top 10 teams in the nhl right now so let's lead it off let's let's go get to this leadoff hitter with the super bowl it was the los angeles rams squeaking by the cincinnati Bengals, 23 20 in a really fun game if you were a neutral viewer it wasn't so fun for me as a niner fan i am <laughs> not the biggest rams fan cincinnati's luck kind of ran out in this one guys what did, what did you think i think it's all what it's kind of the the cold hard truth we all thought that uh this might happen that you know the Bengals can hang around for a while and eventually the o-line's going to catch up to them well the d-line's going to catch up to the o-line and, and that's what happened in the end of this one the Bengals look good i mean T. Higgins was shot out of a cannon out of the halftime show, first play, and, you know, suddenly all's right in the world, and then, you know, you give it some time, and you give Burrow a couple drives, you give Stafford a couple drives, and it ended up the game falling in the defense's hands, and the Rams coming away with it. Yeah, and I mean, I think it all comes down to Cooper Cup, and I think that really is the biggest game changer in this game. Like, I don't know, for some reason it felt like that first half was just like nothing really unexpected was happening you know it was just Rams kind of dominating but it also it didn't feel like the Rams were gonna win yet like it felt like the Bengals were still in contention obviously we saw that in the beginning of the third quarter and then third quarter to beginning of like to the middle of the fourth quarter just dragged in my opinion like it wasn't nothing was happening both teams were still feeling each other out and the Bengals go ahead and you see what you see why Cooper Cup is one of the best receivers on the earth in that final drive I mean just was getting force-fed the ball. Everyone knew where the ball was going, and we'll talk about it more, but you know, it was just domination, in my opinion. Yeah, well, and we knew pregame that Cooper Cup was going to get so much attention defensively, and we all knew that he was going to be open, and, and he was going to be getting balls with five yards of separation from Stafford. So I, I, have to, I have to really pat myself on the back here. I picked the Rams 24-22 in this one, and it ended up being 23-20. I had... I kind of nailed this one. I, I This was exactly how I thought it was going to go. I thought Cincinnati would hang around, you know, maybe have a lead pretty late, and L.A. would eventually pull away. Uh, and a big part of that would be L.A.'s defense, their D-line getting to Burrow, and that's exactly what happened in the final play of the game. Aaron Donald 
got home and ultimately forced Burrow to make, you know, just throw up a prayer and it didn't, it kind of fell, you know, harmlessly to the ground. So what do you guys think about that matchup? The uh, Rams D line against the Bengals offensive line. I think it says a lot about kind of the future of the the Bengals. Was it seven sacks or eight sacks? It was the most sacks in Super Bowl history. It's it's all what, like I said, we knew this was going to happen. We just had that hope that maybe, you know, Joe could overcome and, it's Almost tough. did. Almost, and yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to say that this was like the only Bengals Super Bowl window, but it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be really tough, in my opinion. I agree. You have the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You have the Bills, Josh Allen. You have the Ravens, and then like even in your division, you have the Browns. Who you know they're the Browns, but they have a very talented roster. And the Steelers are the Steelers. You know they're always there. They're always probably going to be kind of competitive. Might not be as good as the Chiefs and stuff, but you have three really tough teams in your division, and I don't know if the Bengals are always, I don't know the next time they're going to have this chance, you know, we might see a, this feels a lot like Rodgers and the Packers in 2012, 2013, I just stole what Mickey, I stole (laughs) what Mickey was going to say, like, it just, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like their window is that wide open, and I don't know, I just, they need to work on this O-line very badly, and why I don't think this window's wide open is because their whole defense is free agents, aging free agents too. Not aging yet, but getting there soon to where their peak is kind of, this might be their peak for a lot of them. And I just, 28, 29, yeah, 30 like year they're, olds. They yeah. still have another year or two, but then it's going to be like maybe another rebuild around Joe Burrow. And I just, this guy's taking so many hits. I just don't know. They're going to have to do a lot this offseason, in my opinion, with this O line. And I, you got, you were getting at what I was gonna say here. I, I am very scared that Zach Taylor is gonna end up like another mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy. Yeah. He was carried by a good defense and a really great quarterback and wide receiver play, mm-hmm. and got a few things to go his way in a deep playoff run early in his coaching career. Think Jay Cutler and the going down in the 2011 NFC Championship yeah, yeah. game. Shout out Jay. And then you know they beat the Steelers the next week in the Super Bowl. It, it's just. It's tough. Like, they're going to have to. You're forced to extend Zach Taylor. Yeah. You know, you have to after yeah, there's, this. It, yeah, there's no working around and, it. Exactly. And and you're going to be stuck with him. And I don't, I, I don't, I'm not too sold on how good of a coach he is because he's had such great position, uh, skill position play, quarterback play, and a really great defense. And in my opinion, in the AFC, the only team that feels like a dynasty right now that can, their Super Bowl window is the next 10 years is the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel like any other team like the while, Bills are the Bills well, are early no, while in the it. Bills, but, yeah. While the Bills might win one or two in ten years, I don't see them dominating like the Chiefs. Every year, you could bet pretty good money they were going to at least make the championship game. We're like everywhere else is just so stacked with the Bills, with the Ravens, with who else? You know, every I'm missing some names, but the Patriots are coming about now too. Like it just seems I don't know. It's it's going to be really tough out of the AFC. Very difficult, in my opinion. And I kind of want to move on to something else. I feel like this game was only competitive because of the Rams' injuries, in my opinion. In my opinion, Higby being out. Yeah. And I think the biggest one is Odell Beckham, because he was dominating. Tore his ACL. Is that what it officially was, his ACL? Okay. But in my opinion, with that, there was no stopping them. The Bengals do not have enough defensive backs to cover Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup, and I think the Rams win by two possessions if Odell never gets hurt. At least two possessions. At least. I think this game's a blowout without Yeah, and and Stafford tried his best to 
yeah, throw there this was, game yeah, away. He missed yeah. a bunch of throws. I, I got to say one thing that's been in the news, and I, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here, and I, I can guarantee Mickey's going to join me, and Grant might join me as well. I mean, what the heck is going on with all this nonsense about Matthew Stafford being in the Hall of Fame? I don't think it's, it's Hall of garbage. Richard Sherman said it. Richard was, Sherman said it perfectly. And he I, he's, he's a hater. He's a hater, but he said it perfectly. Yeah. Like, he, I, there's no reason Richard Sherman should say it. He just won a Super Bowl. But I agree. He said it, and I was like, "Is this even a conversation right now?" Like, yeah, no, like, it yeah, it be. goes without saying. Like, he is not a Hall of Famer. But and I'm not suddenly saying people be. are backing up. No, he, yeah, exactly. I'm saying with this Rams team, if he wins another one or two Super Bowl, if he wins another Super Bowl Hall of Famer, no way he's not. Because at the end of his career, he'll be top ten in passing yards, top ten in touchdowns, top ten because in all of the longevity. Import- no, I know, yeah, but no, yeah, but and a two-time Super Bowl champion, you won't see you won't see a two-time Super Bowl champion with that. Stats, but in my opinion, he's never been a top five quarterback. He's no, but, never been an MVP. But here's the thing: I don't think he should be, but I think he will be because Philip Rivers will be one. He was never. Was he ever an MVP? No. Was he ever all? And he, he's his stats are longevity too. The difference is Philip Rivers was in the MVP talk for a couple of years, and he was he, winning. He wasn't in Detroit for ten years either. Yeah, and and with Stafford, he just has never cracked the top five for me. Like he, no, I agree. He is really slow through his reads. He makes really bad decisions yeah, out of I don't think he is out one. of structure. Uh, 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 just a thing that it's sort of funny, honestly. The, the right before I was walking here, I was watching Sports Center or whatever, and they're talking about it. They're talking about this. So the actual quote from Richard Sherman is the Hall of Fame bar is incredibly low now. Like a participation trophy. No all decade team, no all pro, no MVP, one Pro Bowl, not even MVP of the Super Bowl, not considered the best in any year he played. At least Matt Ryan has an MVP. Put years he played away, the NFL gives Player of the Week awards every week. They give two. And, yeah, they don't really mean much. Matthew Stafford has only been the Player of the Week three times, two of them coming this year. He hasn't been the, he hasn't been the best player in a given week yeah. in ten no, years. I don't think he should be, but no. I think that depending on how long his career lasts for, he will be. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a longevity up, I agree. And depending on if he, win- if he wins one more Super Bowl, I think he's a lock. I honestly do. But I don't think one Super Bowl makes him a makes him one. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks win one Super Bowl and not make it. So I'm not saying he's for sure a lock. But yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I I don't I don't like too much pay attention to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I uh, agree. Especially in the NFL because you know it's so subjective to opinion and the era and whatnot. Like baseball, you can easily create stats that, you know, adjust across eras and everything. And in football, it's just so hard to, you know, apply EPA per play to the 1980s. I do think that the Football Hall of Fame gets it right more often, in my opinion, than the MLB one does. Oh, but that makes mm -hmm. it funnier when they don't get it right. I agree, but I think the football one, your legends get in. And that's just because they're legends. Like, they deserve to get in. Where the MLB, it's like... I feel like that one, they, there's more stubborn journalists, more guys who just don't want to give this guy a vote. Well, you want to talk about legends not getting in. Devin Hester? Yeah, no, I agree. Devin <laughs> Hester like will get Are you in. kidding? Devin Hester, Hester, Hester will get in. That, that's, a bi- that's a big F you to any special teamer ever. He's clearly the best special teamer oh, ever. Yeah. Hester will get in. He's going to get in, but he should have gotten yeah, in last no, week. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, I think the fact that Torrey Holt hasn't gotten in is a joke, too. I mean, if you look at his stats and his... For a time when passing wasn't, I mean, the greatest show on turf was one of the most dominant offenses ever, but he had that for an entire 10 years, you know, where he was one of the best receivers in the game. But mm-hmm. I guess we should get into the last piece of controversy from this game. 
There's more? Cooper Cup or AD for MVP? Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. I, I agree, and I I know Aaron Donald wrecked the game, but if you look at that last drive, there's there's one play that I feel like no one's talking about. It's that fourth and one. The Rams have it about their own 35, 40. Did you see something that he lined and, up off sides or something? I don't think no, that was I right. That was, that. That I don't was think on the, that was That right. was on the final drive, but, okay. oh, but okay. I know what you're and, talking and Cup about. Gets, yeah. And the Rams cannot run the ball at all. No. And Cup gets a little end-around handoff. He cuts up field, gets about 10 yards, and then boom, the drive goes cup, 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 cup. Yeah, and, and then holding on cup, then a pass interference and cup touchdown, and that the, and that ball, the ball was just force fed to him, and it was incredible to watch because everybody knew it was going to him, and they still couldn't. They couldn't stop do anything it. about it. He was the, the only wide receiver on the field that had any confidence from Stafford. The thing with Cooper Cup is you could look at passing yards, receptions, touchdowns, all you want. It. it doesn't matter. I am here to tell you it doesn't matter. When you have a guy that consistently gets five, ten yards of separation from his from his corner in one-on-one situations, that's a guy that the defense has to key in on, give all their attention to, which opens up everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else. And then when you have a number two receiver like Odell Beckham, who should be a number one on every single other team in the league, it's just unfair. And it you know, it puts Stafford in a great situation to succeed. It puts any quarterback in a great situation to succeed. Yeah, I agree. So it, it's not quantifiable what he brought to that game, and I and I think he he is the reason that they won yeah, that game. And the Rams, he is 100%. the MVP. And the Rams defense played great. I mean, you get a big stop, and you get. I mean, another big stop they had that no one else is talking about is after the touchdown. Matt Stafford throws an interception. wasn't really his fault, but it was an interception either way. Yeah, and then the guy. They get a stop and force a field goal, and that's the game right there, too. That field that drives a touchdown, and all of a sudden the Bengals score 14 points in two minutes. The game's over. Bengals win. You know, like the Rams defense came up very timely, but it wasn't all AD. It was Cooper Cup who won that game for the Rams, in my opinion. Yeah, it was just Cooper Cup all day. I had thoughts about this, and we were texting about this. What the halftime show? I, I see people oh, talking about awesome. how it was the best ever, and I liked it. But for one, did it seem a lot shorter than normal halftime uh, shows? I thought it was a great halftime show. But I yeah, thought it was, yeah, it was short. It seemed short, and normally at the end they all come together for one song. Yeah, that I didn't happen confused. either. I was confused why, like, I felt like Eminem was with Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre was with Snoop Dogg, but and Fifty Cent was hanging from the ceiling, probably awesome. couldn't breathe for that five minutes. Amazing. Fifty that Cent was, was cool, but I, did, I I was expecting them to do something all together. Yeah, exactly. They have songs together that they can do. I just was surprised they didn't. Yeah, I, I think there was a missed I thought Kendrick there. Lamar was great, too. You guys Kendrick are... didn't really fit into the theme, but Kendrick Lamar is Kendrick Lamar. I love Kendrick Mary J. Lamar. Blige yeah. didn't fit into the theme. Yeah, the woman who sprawled yeah, out on the, yeah. on the top of the yeah, house. Yeah, neither for... of them really fit in. You guys were like, I, I thought that it was felt shorter because yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, I agree. But you guys are actually like the th- third, yeah, fourth people that I've yeah. heard it from. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess we would have to look compared to... One thing I was also surprised with do you remember like the weekends? How like how much technology and how yeah. much went into that? I was just surprised. It was so simple. I will which say which I though. liked, but it's like the Super Bowl halftime show. I was hoping for it to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more the camera pyrotechnics work. and it, everything. It almost seemed like this wasn't happening right now. The camera work when they were showing like Snoop Dogg on top, it looked like it was recorded, and obviously it wasn't. But it looked yeah, the really was good. So, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. Colors and whatnot. I no, don't know. I thought it was great. That's the only complaint I have is I wanted more pyrotechnics. I wanted more technology yeah. in there. But I mean, the simple. It was cool. But I would have been mad if I was sitting on the other side and couldn't see anything, because <laughs> the train thing they were on was blocked off on one side. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and so then you Kendrick, 
Kendrick so, played on, on the other, like, other side yeah, of so one. Yeah, so you couldn't see Kendrick and you couldn't see 50 Cent. No one had any idea that he was yeah. hanging. Yeah, so that's the one thing. I thought but, it was just some other guy just hanging from the yeah. ceiling. 50 Cent, by the way. He gained some weight. He's, he's yeah. oh yeah. Fat. He's yeah. his his biceps he's like two are huge. Now. Though, he's like two dollars. He's not fifty cents. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't look like what he did when that original no, when the original no. in the club music video came yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Any more thoughts on the Super Bowl, guys? Joe Mixon not being in is terrible. I know. On third and one and fourth and one. That's Zach Taylor's that could, coaching. Was that his coaching, or could that maybe be an injury we didn't hear I about get, or something? I know P Ryan's a receiving back, but on third and run, didn't they? Third and one, they ran it not to yeah. Joe Mixon. I didn't get that. But P Ryan got on a, fourth. P Ryan got a lot of love third. in that game. I don't know. I didn't understand it. Last thing, is Aaron Donald retiring? No, 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 no way. way. See, He's I don't think so. But I'll believe it. When is I McVay? See it. Apparently, no, there's rumors no. about McVay going he into He said he immediately came out and said in the post game press yeah. press conference, he was like, "I love this team. I'm not going anywhere." Okay. Well. There you go, then. Sorry, Mickey. No, it's all good. I wish he would retire because he has brought... Yeah, he yeah, brought me pain yeah. this year. Hey, you guys, you guys Kyle, won like Kyle eight in a row against them. Kyle Shanahan's <laughs> son remains in the NFC West, so... Yep. We got a retirement. We got a retirement. Ryan Zimmerman just retired. Oh, wow. Mr. National. Oh, yeah, I thought that First was a given. I thought yeah, he already I, Yeah, it that. was official now, but, you know, just well, to... Good for him. Cross his T's and dot his eyes. Nope. Yeah, that was right. Good for him. Yeah, he's gone. We like Ryan Zimmerman. Good guy. All right. Looking back at the Super Bowl, from looking back at the Super Bowl to looking ahead at this year's NFL draft. Draft coverage has hit the packed house right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. I am going to give you my top five quarterbacks in this year's draft. But first, we're going to take a quick break right here. Stick with us. We'll be back in just under a minute. Baby, where the islands go Baby Lion goes Where the islands go Baby Lion Good afternoon everybody and welcome back to the Packed House right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. It is nearly time for me to give my top five quarterback prospects in this year's draft. However, I do want to just lead with a little bit of a thought here. Uh, This is a very weak quarterback class comparatively to especially last year. Last year was awesome. It it had a ton of depth. Uh, So I don't really see a big star coming out of this draft. However, there is a lot of depth, especially in the second round, with some boomer bust candidates that have that Hall of Fame potential, that have the, you know, top three quarterback potential, but, you know, there's just also a very good chance that they just flame out with their team. It all depends on what situation they're in and whatnot. So the reason I'm giving it my top five is there are six quarterbacks at the top of this draft that are just kind of consensus, you know, first or second round guys uh, that are all at a very similar tier and they've been ordered in so many different ways. So let's jump right into it. At number one, I have Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh. And this is kind of a very popular opinion. Most people have Kenny Pickett as their guy at the top of this draft. I agree with that one. Yeah, Yeah. he's the most pro-ready quarterback in this class. Uh, That said, he doesn't have a massive upside. You know, it's... 
it's tough when when you have not such a great pocket sense. It's so hard to develop that one skill, the pocket yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of you have it or you don't, and and you can't really develop it as a quarterback. Uh, he's a little too quick to his check down, but that can be that can be you know coached out of him, and he will bail from clean pockets. Uh, he's a relatively accurate quarterback. That said, it, it is it does matter that his hands are so small. And the NFL ball is a little bit bigger. I don't think it's a massive concern uh, if you're drafting him, and it's not the biggest thing ever. So, ultimately, I have him as a late first-round pick uh, with a late first-round grade. I I think he can be a middling starter and can win a lot of games in the right situation. Think, you know... On the same tier as Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top I would agree with that. 14, 13 mm. quarterback. That's kind of where I On see him. On a good him. team, maybe a Super Bowl. Yeah, I would agree. Exactly. I think he can win a, a Super Bowl, but, you know, it, it just, he has to be in the right situation. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. I do think just the, the offense he ran at Pitt and what we've seen from him at Pitt, it seems, you said it perfectly, the most pro ready quarterback. But the thing is, what more can you get out of him? Like with some of these other guys, you understand they might not be ready and you can work on him. You might be able to get some more, but with Pickett, only time will tell. Yep. I and, agree. And then my pro comp for him is very much a Derek Carr type quarterback. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. I, I would say he's more mobile probably than Derek Carr is, but Derek Carr's got some sneaky speed. Yeah, he just true. doesn't that's use true. it. He doesn't use yeah. it. Kenny Pickett used it at Pitt. I yeah, mean, you saw that fake did. slide. Yeah, so can't do I would, that anymore. No, you can't. <laughs> no, I would agree though with that comparison. And then, so my number two quarterback in this class is a little bit surprising. Not a lot of people have him in their top three. Really, it is Carson Strong out of Nevada. I'm not biased here. I'm from Sacramento, which is only two hours from the University of Nevada, Reno, where he played. I think he has a higher ceiling than Kenny Pickett. He has a Big time arm. He has a strong arm, no pun intended. He is has a good, not great processor. He is an elite thrower to the field side of the field. So that means from the opposite hash to the opposite sideline, which is a long throw, especially in college with the with the wider hashes there that they have at that level. He, you know, his arm talent alone makes his upside a lot higher than Kenny Pickett. That said, he is a lot rawer, um, and he does not move as well as Kenny Pickett. He he kind of lacks athleticism. He has a tendency to overthrow deep balls. Again, that's kind of something that you can coach out of him. Uh, so right now, my grade on him is kind of a low-end starter right away, but with big potential. Like, I think this guy could be a top-10 quarterback uh, if he's, again, in the right situation with the right coach um, and he also has a notable chance to be a bust. So really, you're rolling the dice with Carson Strong more than Kenny Pickett. My pro comp for him is Jared Goff. Um, you know, he's kind of a similar prospect to Jared Goff. He's a worse, obviously, a worse prospect than Jared Goff coming out. Uh, Jared Goff went number, he one. went top five. Well, I believe he one. went number yeah. one. Yeah, he was yeah. number one. And I have an early second round grade on him. So yeah, yeah. No, I would agree with that. I mean, Nevada's obviously produced a good quarterback or two in Colin Kaepernick. Uh, but I saw him play at Nevada. I forgot about there you him. Go. Yeah, but I don't know Carson Strong. I think same thing. People are going to talk about with Malik Willis. It's just the level of competition. You know, the Mountain West isn't that strong. It's it's really hard. I feel like to 
rate a prospect when the competition's bad. So, especially when you go from the Mountain West to the NFL, it's like gargantuous leap. So, we'll see with him. I think he has a lot of talent, too. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a big range of looking at these mock drafts of where people think he's going to go. That's I, exactly right. You, yep. you can see him in early second round. You can see him in late sixth, you know, somewhere, somewhere down the line. So, that, to me, says that there's a lot of uncertainty behind him. And obviously, scouts I, and coaches are going to do a better job of that than us. But I'm a we'll lot see. higher on him than a lot of people, than most people, really. Because I have him, like, so I have two tiers in these top six quarterbacks. I have that top tier where those two guys, I would not knock a team for taking either of them day one. Because quarterback is such a, such a important position. Yes, I have the second round grade on strong. But it, quarterback is such an important position that if you if this guy hits... It's going to be huge. It's going to change your franchise. So just thinking from a positional value standpoint, either of those guys could go day one. Now, this next tier, these are four guys that are very solid prospects, but have either limited upside or are long-term prospects or projects, excuse me, that should not start on day one. So to start this tier, I have Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati, uh, very solid pocket sense. He he's very well rounded as a quarterback outside sneaky. of sneaky out, athleticism. Yeah, I would agree. Sneaky athleticism, exactly right. He doesn't like wow you with anything, but he has very a very good skill set outside of one thing, and that is the accuracy. Oh my goodness, he has accuracy concerns that can be coached out. But wow, it is a huge question mark on his tape. He overthrows receivers. He misses guys, you know, 10 yards away. It's it's a massive question mark for him. So right now, I have him as a low-end starter if he were to start, uh, you know, week one next year uh, with, you know, middle quarterback potential. I, I think he could be, you know, a top 15 quarterback. Uh, my pro comp for him is Dak Prescott. Uh, I think he very much fits that mold. Uh, a worse Dak Prescott at that, um, and I have a second round grade on him. I was reading on Ritter. I haven't done a lot of the research like you have on this, but on Ritter and the one pro comp I saw twice actually was Ryan Tannehill. Huh? And it's it, it started to make sense to me yeah. a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, it does actually. If you think about it, I, I think Tannehill more than Prescott, but. Just because Prescott is... He doesn't have the arm, I don't think. Oh, Tannehill's Tannehill? got a good arm. Yeah. And, and Ritter just doesn't... I, I he, he's Don't get me wrong. He's got a pretty decent arm. But I, I think coming out, he's going to have an NFL average arm. Which, you know, you could easily get away with. But I don't think he starts anywhere day one or even year one. I mean, I think certain places. But yeah. I would agree with you. you I know, would the, say before... This season, I was really high on Ritter. I thought he was the best quarterback in the class. And then this season, he just yeah he didn't play that well. Like I mean, he he obviously Cincinnati was top four. He played good enough, but again against weak competition. And yeah, those even when they would beat a team by thirty five, you would see those bad things happen. You would miss wide open receivers that in no business in the NFL you can miss. You know. Yeah. So. Coming in next, this is the last one that I'm going to spend a lot of time on because this is the most interesting quarterback prospect in the class. I don't think anyone disagrees here. Malik Willis out of Liberty. This guy has top three NFL quarterback potential. He has all of the physical tools to be an elite player at the NFL level. 
starts with his cannon arm. He can rip he has it. A, yeah, he you has getting a excited, rocket. Grant? You getting he, excited? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> this is your guy right here, I'm he telling is. you. He can rip it. And, oh, my goodness, when he is on with those deep balls, he, it is unbelievable. He has absolutely blazing speed. He is uber athletic. He can turn the corner on anybody. He is shifty. He is so fun to watch escaping that backfield. He he may have the highest ceiling out of anybody in this draft at any position. That said, there is a huge but to this. He is so raw. He is not going to come in and start. He better not start week one. He is a one-read quarterback that can't move, move through his progressions at all yet. He... You know, when he's outside of the pocket and extending the play, he struggles keeping his eyes keeping his eyes downfield. He always looks to run with the ball, which isn't bad when you have his speed, but look for that big play, right? Um, he makes bad decisions from time to time. He plays hero ball, which is kind of understandable. He kind of had to on Liberty. At not, Liberty, not getting a yeah. lot of help. At Liberty, you understand that. So my comp for him is a smaller and slightly worse Josh Allen. Uh, a lot of people would disagree with that because they would say Ritter's accuracy or uh, Will Malik Willis's accuracy is a little bit better. I don't see the accuracy there. I think he is very average accuracy, which is kind of what I saw in Josh Allen coming out. Uh, they are actually kind of, in my mind, they're pretty similar prospects uh, on slightly different levels as prospects uh, if you ignore the size. So second round grade on him. A quick note, if he if Sean McVay or Frank Reich or someone like this gets their hands on this guy, oh my God. Yeah. Look out. No, I Frank agree. Reich's looking for someone. I, I think their the report came out right before the Super Bowl. I think they're done with once. They're gonna trade him or cut him before March nineteenth. Yeah, that wouldn't Look surprise out. me. In my opinion, he also kinda reminds me of uh Justin Fields. Not not as good as Justin Fields, obviously, coming out, but I think they kind of both have the same problems. Fields isn't always the most accurate. And he looks to run a little too quick, kind of like Willis, you know, and also very raw. You know, Fields would show flashes. You know, I can think of the Pittsburgh game when they almost let a comeback, shows flashes. But then when he played against the Packers, he just looked out like he was seeing ghosts out there. Like, it just, I think that's what you would see out of Willis. You would see a lot of flashes, but just as many bad moments. And looking to run when you shouldn't and just takes a lot of time to kind of Get a feeling for the NFL. Malik, I, Malik Willis is this year's Trey Lance, like yeah, super, yeah, super yeah, high yeah. floor mm-hmm. and super low, low. Except he won't go as high, high as ceiling. Yeah, he he won't. won't go as high as yeah. Lance. No, he won't. When I see the size of Willis, it almost reminds me of. Oh, I just blanked now. Um, oh, Dwayne Haskins in college, but not now, because I see Willis ten times more Haskins athletic. Can move. Ten times more. Yeah, athletic. Haskins, Haskins can move. Yeah. But just the size thing. And he was going to Ohio State and obviously fell off with uh, Washington and Washington, now Pittsburgh. Yeah. He, the unnamed Washington commanders, team at the time. Right? Commanders Tommies? now. Can you say that? No. Okay. No, no I think that is I think that <laughs> is, is that like legitimately a part of they, their brand. I think it they, should be. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so last two in the top six here. I have Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. A lot I have, of potential. I have him as a developmental piece. Uh, Mike Procomp is Jalen Hurts with a bigger arm, and I have a second-round grade on him. Uh, he did go down in the final game of the season. I believe it was the Cotton Bowl against Baylor, mm-hmm. but it was just an ankle. Sp- yeah, it was yeah. just an ankle sprain. Probably not something to be too concerned about. 
Uh, the one knock on him is he does not have a big sample size of traditional dropbacks. It's been a lot of RPOs and zone reads, which he does at a great level, at a very high level. But in the NFL, you're going to need to be able to have those traditional dropbacks and go through your reads. And when he did go through them, he looked okay. There were some flashes there, but... What was that you know. one Arkansas game, like 52 to 51 Ole Miss one? And that was Matt Carell just domination. So, like, yeah. he can play, but it just, can he play in the NFL? Is he one of those guys, you know? Again, developmental piece yes. shouldn't start week mm-hmm. one. Uh, and then the next guy, the rounding out this top tier of quarterbacks, number six quarterback, my number six quarterback in the draft is Sam Howell out of North Carolina. I am significantly lower on him than anybody else is. I see him as a more mobile yet worse Baker Mayfield in this mm, draft. That's a perfect They kind of look alike, yeah. too. Yeah. I, I have a second to a third round grade on him because of his okay upside. I, I, I think he could be a starter in the league. Um, He's a short-term backup. Very, very long-term prospect. He, you know, he's not effective coming off that first read. His processor is just below average. It, it, it's really going to hinder him at the next level when he can't get these bailout plays against NFL defenses that just eat on that. So those are my top six. So number six, Howell, number five, Corral, number four, Willis, number three, Ritter, number two, Strong, and number one, Kenny Pickett. That's it. I like it. I like it. Um, I like it. Are we moving on to the NHL now? I think so. Aiden, Aiden what you got for I us? I disagree, let's but it. let's hear it. Um, yeah, so just a little preface here. I'm not as big on the NHL as I am the NFL or the MLB. You know, I'll watch every Sox game, watch over Bears game, but I'll know a decent amount of what's going on behind the curtain, behind those teams. You know, every other player, every other team. With the NHL, I'm more, I stick close to the vest. I watch the Hawks. I see who the Hawks play. I take a look at them once in a while. Nothing special, but it's pretty obvious right now. Top five and then... Behind there, you know, there's obviously you still got a while to go season going into late April, but right now there's some clear contenders. The number one is the Colorado Avalanche. It's not even close right now. Their stats are jumping off the page and and right now they're not even all healthy. They're they're dealing with injuries. Once they all come back, they're going to be dangerous. They're the best team in the NHL. They've got a lot of young pieces. Yeah. They're 38, eight and four right now. And we know, we know Aiden, uh, with, being Blues and Hawks fans, having to watch them all the time, how good the Avalanche are. I mean, they are very good. I was at the game when uh, Cal Maker had that, uh, like, the it was number one on top ten oh, for like a like week. Oh, scored behind? Yeah, yeah he, that was he, crazy. It was in overtime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was at that game. It was wow. horrible. But uh, not my number two team, this could be a toss-up, two and three. I've got the Florida Panthers, number two. They've been really good despite a lot of nonsense going around, the sudden removal of uh, Coach Q. Uh, you know, everything that happened in Chicago. And right now they've moved forward as one of the best offenses in the league. The defense has a couple questions, but right now the Panthers are definitely number two. And at number three, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You you can't argue this. 31-11-6 right now. Bit of a rough patch the last week and a half, but, you know, once they find that wave, they're back-to-back cup champs right now. Yeah, they have all that experience. They hit the stride there. I agree. Especially in the playoffs. The NHL playoffs are like nothing else, in my opinion. So, that experience is going to be huge for them. Yeah, they're going to, like I said, once once the light switch goes on, I don't think it's turning off. I don't know if Mm -hmm. they're the favorite for the cup, but obviously they're definitely going to make a run. Mm -hmm. Number four, this is a team that uh, I wasn't, 
I honestly didn't think that they were this. I did a lot of research yesterday and into today, but I didn't think this team was as solid as they are right now. And that's the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're first in the Metro. They have a resurgent year somehow by Chris Letang, 34-year-old defenseman. That's crazy. He's been great for them this this year. And the one thing looking into the season with them was goalkeeping. And Tristan Jari is hot. And if he stays hot, they're going to be a team to watch. That's that's my my uh, my little get up with this team is the goalkeeping and Tristan Jari. I don't know if they're going to look to add someone. They don't really have a backup. I, I their backup quarterback is a big issue for them right now. Backup quarterback still on football. Their backup goalie Goalkeeper. is still a big problem for them right now. But if they can find someone to fill that spot, or if Jari stays hot, they're going to be good. Number five, I've got the Minnesota Wild. This was a toss-up between them and the Leafs, five and six. Uh, the team's going to go as Kevin Fiala goes and this offense goes, and he's got 10 goals in the last two weeks, 14 games. So they're going pretty well right now. It's going, yeah. Yeah, it's going. So number six is the Maple Leafs, 31-12-3. and three. This is a team that could easily be top three with their talent, easily. But they've had a lot of struggles in the past week. They've got – I'm going to look this up right now, actually – their next, their upcoming schedule this week, they got the Penguins, they got the Blues, they got the eh, Blue Jackets and Canadians, and then the Wild. They've got a solid easy, yeah. two couple weeks coming up, and if they can't handle that, they might drop out of the top ten altogether. Number seven, this is a team that I like a lot. This is going to be, I don't know if I can say my team, but go, this is a team I've liked for the past couple of years, and this is the Carolina Hurricanes. Sebastian Ajo is on pace for 40 goals again. Oh, he's so fun. Yeah. And he's with amazing. guys like Tavo Teravainen up there with him and a solid defense. And this is another team where you look at their goalkeeping. You know, they were stuck with like Peter Mrazek last year, I think, who's not doing anything. They went out and got Friedrich Anderson from the Leafs, and he's been great between the pipes. If he if he keeps it up, they're gonna be really solid moving forward. Number eight, another team that's it could easily be higher, and I think they're definitely gonna be higher with some big news coming tomorrow. The Vegas Golden Knights. Out of all the possible issues. You look at for this team. No one would have thought that goal goaltending would be the issue. And Robin Leonard, the Panda, has not been as advertised this season. And that's something you really don't like to see. It's a guy who was really good. Uh, he won the Vezina when he was with Buffalo. Came to the Hawks for a year. He was solid with the Hawks. They flipped him to the Knights, and he was good. Him and Marc-Andre Fleury, debatably one of the best goaltending tandems ever. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. Or was that two years ago? now? No, that was last year. Um Big news. Tomorrow, the Golden Knights are getting Jack Eichel. They're getting him back. After back surgery, back nonsense, there was a lot of, you know, he said, she said, trade from the Sabres. He didn't like it there. So Jack Eichel will be activated, and I believe he's supposed to play tomorrow. I don't know if that's 100% correct. But top five player in the league? Definitely 10. I don't know. I want to say five. We haven't seen him in a while play. But that instantly makes him more dangerous. It'll be interesting to see, though, how they adjust the cap space to accommodate for Eichel because they're tight right now. They're either going to have to make a trade and it's going to be someone of value trading away from a team looking to make a run just because they don't have the money to keep Eichel right now. Number nine, Calgary Flames. They're kind of getting hot, no pun intended, at the right time. Not at the right time. I mean, you got a while to go, but they're getting hot right now. They made the first... It's never a bad time to get hot. No, no. They made the first decently big trade of the deadline season, obviously with the exception of the Eichel trade earlier in the season. Uh, They grabbed Tyler Toffoli from the struggling Canadians, so that bolsters their offense, who's already pretty solid. Their defense has a couple questions. And number 10, New York Rangers. 
Their first two lines and their defensive pairings are really solid. They've got young goaltending, but the depth on this team is what's going to hold them back down the stretch. They don't have a lot of depth scoring. Their fourth line is pretty abysmal. They got some true bums on that team running, you know, the last <laughs> couple pairs. So we'll we'll see how that works. That's my top ten, and just just to round it out here, right, trade deadline's coming up. I don't know NHL trade deadline. The official trade deadline is March 21st, so we got a little bit to go. But the, the three, trades are starting to come in. Exactly. Yeah, they are. The, the three names that I'm looking at right now, and actually, yeah, I've got three. You can look at ten different names. Mark Andre Fleury is going to be the number one name on the market for a team looking to make a push. Mm-hmm. Hawks are struggling. They got a lot of nonsense going on over there. Um, he has a, a no trade clause, and it's odd. It's his. Per, it's a personal no trade clause. The Washington Capitals are heavily pursuing Mark Andre Fleury right now, and he's not having any of that. They've offered a decent amount. He doesn't want to go there. Obviously, longtime Pittsburgh Penguin doesn't want to end up on the other side of the rivalry, and I get that. So he, it's a $7 million cap hit for Flurry. That limits both the Blackhawks front office operations and teams that he's going to go towards. The number one team that you can look at straight up that needs a goalie, has everything else there, is the Edmonton Oilers, and they've been struggling mm-hmm. big time. They have all that talent and just no and, goalkeeper between you know, they the got pipes for them. Yeah. Mike Smith, he could put a blindfold on between the pipes. He's been bad. I don't know who else they have, but it's it's the $7 million. It's There's no there's not a lot of wiggle room at Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And another team you look at is the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, they have a solid goaltender, but you know there's always the but. If you can add a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury. The third most wins of all yeah, time. You're going to go out and do it. And a team that I looked at, and I've thought this for a couple weeks now, the Vegas Golden Knights. Robin Leonard has not been good. It's be the perfect return exactly. for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Why not trade him back and go win? That's what I'm saying. But he doesn't want to be on the Blackhawks. Like, uh, uh, he, he doesn't want to... Okay, he's in the twilight of his career. He doesn't want to be losing with the Blackhawks. He's not. He doesn't want to be a part of this rebuild, in my opinion. That, I, I think so, too. But when you look at it, he... You know, obviously there was some thought about retirement before the season. He knew nothing about the Knights moving him to the Hawks. And he wasn't happy about yeah, that. That's true. That would make the most sense. I don't know if that'll come into play a lot, but he has this semi-no-trade clause where it all runs through him. And so far, he's denied everything. If he wants to just say, you know, screw it, I'm going to finish this year here with the Hawks and be done, let him do it. But right now, his talent, he's kept the Hawks in a lot of games that they have no business being in. He's been great. Let him go. Let him win. If you can get a decent amount in return for him, whoever's running the ship for the Hawks, do it. Another name I got, and this is, you know, he's not great, but it's Nick Letty. It's a guy who's won cups back in his day, and he's a veteran D-man who still has it in him, still can get solid minutes. He's stuck in Detroit. He's not doing anything there. Flip him, see what you can get for him, and let him go win again. And the last name I have, big, big name. Obviously, this guy is pretty fat. Phil Kessel uh, is out there. He... Arizona is a mess. Grant, have you been keeping up with Arizona right Arizona's now? the worst team in the NHL. They're awful. Well, for one, that. And for two, they're moving, and they're going to play their games for the next two seasons at Arizona State. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I saw 5, that. 5,000 5, seats, I, I think. That seems like way too little. Why? But it's, they have no money. It's they're Honestly, they're getting evicted from their stadium, I'm pretty sure is what it is. They need yeah. to move. Yeah, they need to get out of Arizona. 
Talking Stick, or it There's was Talking Stick, on. but that was that was a really interesting story that came out a couple of weeks ago. Go look into that if you haven't. Yeah, so it's a team with a big veteran contract. I keep saying big, it just works with this guy. But uh, a big contract in a team that is going into a big rebuild, both a franchi- huge, yeah. franchise, both on and off the ice. Why are you going to keep Big Phil there? And all this money tied up into him when there's really no positive. Yeah, I agree. And teams moving forward that are good, yeah, they have cap. They're in salary cap hell pretty much. But if you can flip Phil, you do it. Yeah. That's all I got. Those are just three names. Obviously, should be in the top ten. That's all I'm saying. I, <laughs> I So I, in my first list, I had him at 12. And then I figured if I move him up to 11, that might get you a little bit oh, more mad. Oh, thank you. They're so I moved, him, awesome. I moved him to 11 just thank so they you. just missed thank the cut. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so... The Blues are not cool. in it. We're not going to talk about them. Any, That's all I got. Any closing thoughts on hockey here, guys? All right. So we are going to take one last quick break right here on the Packed House on KCOU 88.1 FM. When we come back, we will be debuting our Olympic coverage right here on the Packed House. Stick with us. We'll be back in just under a minute. Welcome back to the Packed House right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. It is finally time to debut our Olympic coverage right here on the Packed House. So many great stories coming out of Beijing this year. And Grant, do you want to start or should I Um, start with some monobob stuff? (laughs) Let's start with possibly the most interesting event. The first time it's ever been held at the Olympics, Mickey. Yeah, I mean... The monobob. For those of you who don't know, I don't know. It's it's a bobsled, <laughs> but mono. Just one guy, one your girl. So th- it's only a women's sport. Oh wow! So yeah, okay. Because for some reason the women don't have four person bobsled, the men do, so they have to okay. even out the events. But okay. yeah, it's only in the women's, and it's just one person in the bobsled going down. And Mickey, what happened? All right, so I watched. Uh, about an hour of women's mono bob. I was hooked. It was so cool. It was such a fun event. Uh, Team USA slider Kaylee Humphreys won her third gold medal in bobsledding. Let's go. This time, her first in the mono bob, of course, new new Olympic sport. Uh, single person bobsledding. Her story is it's really cool. Yeah, so yeah, cool yeah. and so interesting. Well, I mean, not cool, but yeah, it's it's a very fascinating story. Uh, she won her first two golds and a bronze for Team Canada, but came to the United States and became a United States citizen and joined Team USA in 2018. Uh, that stemmed from a harassment claim against a Canadian staffer, a Team Canada staffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she was like, screw this. I'm getting out of here. joining the super team. Exactly. America. Her exactly. husband's American. Let's she go. got her an American citizenship. Actually, just this December officially became an American citizen. And it was Congrats. a weird it was a weird process because she was basically a free agent for the Olympics. Yeah. What? She was thinking about joining Britain where her husband is originally mm-hmm. from, but she settled on America, uh joined team USA. Uh she's the number 1 in the world. She's the number 1 bobsledder in the world. Uh and defended that title by beating out fellow American Elena Miles Taylor. And Canadian Christian De Bruin for her third Olympic gold at Beijing this year. It was a really great uh, run that she had. She beat both of them by about a half a second and 
really steadily won gold. She's one of the better drivers in the world. Very clean run uh, on her second run, and that was the time that got her gold. Yeah, and Elena Myers-Taylor is just a fascinating story as well. I mean, she's one of the first, one of the most dominant women in the sport, and she still does not have gold going for that in the two-woman bobsled, but she actually was the USA's flag bearer, but she got covid so for the past week, she's been training in her hotel room, wasn't able to carry the flag, and she comes out fresh off of COVID, no training. I think I don't think she got any training runs on the ice, gets a silver medal. So I, that's oh, very that's impressive awesome. in my well, opinion, yeah. I, if cinema has taught us anything, if four Jamaican guys can hop in yeah, a, yeah. a boat and steer down a sandy hill, I think she can get to practice <laughs> in a hotel room, yeah. too. Jamaica does have a bobsled team. This, yeah, they finished uh, dead last. Yeah. Sad. Actually, interesting, in the two-man bobsled the uh, Germans swept it, first, second, and third. So just a little tidbit oh, wow. there. Um, I didn't hear about that. Yeah. So I guess we'll go into before we get into like all the great stories from Team USA, we'll go into like the biggest controversy right now at the Winter Olympic Games. Russian figure skater, fifteen-year-old Kamila Valiva. I believe that's how you pronounce it. That Valiva, sounded right. Kamila Valiva. It rhymes. Is. Oh, well, it's so weird. So she tested positive for a banned heart drug on December 25th. That the t- the lab that tested positive that she tested positive in it, they all had COVID. So then it doesn't come out that she tested positive for doping until the middle of the Olympics after she's already competed in the figure skating team event in the Russian Olympic Committee because Russia is not Russia in the Olympics, they're the Russian Olympic Committee. They're, they're banned, banned from They're more banned from being stuff. Russia because of a statewide doping ah. like agency, basically. State-run State-run, yes, yes. It yeah. was, yeah, state-run. So she is... So the medal ceremony for the team event will not happen until the IOC investigates further. The Americans got silver at that, the United States. So they have a chance to bump up to gold... But people are also upset because they want their medals. You know, they want to have the ceremony in Beijing because they they deserve it. And now nobody knows what's going on. And I think even more interesting, the women's program is running right now. And so how it works is there's a short program and there's a long program. Those combined scores is who wins. 5 a.m. this morning, she competed. She gets first place. But if she gets if she medals, nobody gets their medal either. It's like it's like the competition doesn't happen. What? So yeah, so <laughs> they don't get their medal until it's investigated further, and people are puzzled because it's like she's a, she's cheating. Like, why is she allowed to compete? Like, everyone yeah. else is clean, and then there's one woman who's a cheater who cheated, and she's getting to compete, and she might win gold, and it might count, it might not count. Nobody really knows. It's just it's very confusing. I feel like it's handled poorly. Like. Because it's like competing with Barry Bonds, but knowing Barry Bonds did steroids. Wouldn't and be the, no one else did steroids. Wouldn't be the first time the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, has mishandled no, a situation no, it would not like be. this. And I mean, I, I respect it because she's 15 years old. So in all likelihood, it's not her. It's Russia. It's So I think banning her would make her look very bad in the Russian society, make her look bad in general. She's 15 years old. So I understand the reasoning. She's a minor but if she, it comes out that she this wasn't approved or anything, because she claims it was approved drug from a doctor or something, but there was no doctor note. Russia says she's innocent. Of course they do. If it comes out she cheated, I think her medals should be stripped and 
everyone else should move up one. Yeah, but, yeah it's actually hundred percent. Yeah, and I don't know. It's weird that this this competition's going on still with her in it. She's gonna win it. She's the favorite. She's the best ever. She's the only woman to be able to do a quad, which is four like spins in the air and land it. Yep. And so I, I just don't understand how. How can you have the Olympics in fairness and have this a part of it? It's just it's a big blemish in my opinion on the IOC. I don't think she should be competing. Well, and, it, and it highlights the 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 dysfunction within of, the IOC it's, and it's, of the Russian Olympic Committee too. Exactly that dysfunction that statewide because a 15 year old isn't getting this drug. I mean, she's no not way. getting it. There's no, no way. way. It's the adult coaches of hers. She's 15 years old. Yeah, you know what I mean. She's not get, going to get it. Exactly. Yeah, but um. I guess we'll get into some of the biggest storylines so far. We're going to focus on Team USA here. You know, we're American, so that's what we're going to go. Um, the biggest storyline, Sean White in his last Olympics. You know, I mean, for all of us, whether you're a fan of the Olympics or not, Sean White was a name a synonymous with the Olympics as Michael Phelps was. And in his last ever run in the half pipe, he gets fourth place. His last run, he couldn't land it and just off the podium, you know, but Sean White's a legend and it's sad to see him go, but he was happy just to make it to the final. I think he's one of the best Olympians, one of the best athletes in American history, probably. Yeah. No, I, I remember watching Sean White when I was a kid and just like waiting, waiting, waiting. I believe it was Vancouver or something. Mm-hmm. It was a Gold long, long, yeah. long time ago. Mm-hmm. And just waiting until like 11 o'clock at night to see Sean White finally compete and my parents were like, "Why do you care?" I'm like, "Sean White, no, it's Sean White. He's yeah. awesome." It's also one of the greatest interviews in our lifetime. Oh as well. yeah, uh, when yeah, I'm Dr. talking about Pepper, Mountain Dew, baby. baby. No, Mountain, Mountain, Dew. Mountain Dew. Yeah, after he won in 2010. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. And people are saying it's his fault he lost because everyone else is so good now because of him. All the other hey, competitors yeah, that you beat got him, a point. he he even he even said it himself. Yeah, it's my fault because I put put together the sport so far along yeah now all these kids that grew up watching me are doing stuff that i can't do dipped into his bag yeah, of tricks too early there's a triple cork is like three rotations in the air i remember Sean when White, that was a huge deal that he no, hit it no he's never he's never i don't think he's ever hit it he might have hit it once he hit something else there i don't was, exactly there was know. another thing he I hit think, a trick yeah. that no one's ever hit and now all these young kids can do it easy yeah and then the triple cork was landed for the first time ever by the gold medal winner and the top two guys could do it, and Sean White can't do it. He's older now. He's 35 years old, and he moved the game along so far that that's why now, you know? It's always great to see someone come along and basically just change a sport. Yeah, and like, I would say yeah. for half pipe for snowboarding, Sean White is the face of it and always will be, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just some other big names. Chloe Kim defends her half pipe gold with just an amazing run. She's the Sean White of snowboarding right now. I was about pipe. to say the same thing. Yeah, she's doing her tricks that no other woman can land in the entire world. And it's just if she can go out and land one run, she wins gold. And that's how it was in um, 2018. That's how it is now. And that's how it will be in 2026, too, for the Winter Olympics. Um, the women's hockey, Aiden was very excited about yes. this. Canada versus the Big United game. States in the final. Big game. USA lost 4-1, 4-2. In the group stage. And then the men beat Canada. They're undefeated. They play Slovakia tonight in the quarterfinals that's of the Olympics. That's a Slovakia, Slovakia they, yeah, that will be tricky. That's some grit over there. Yeah, but if they win, you know. We're already in the quarterfinals Already in the quarterfinals. Oh, wow. Yeah. We're in the finals Three for women's. Yeah, women are oh, in the I finals. Knew, yeah. I, knew, mm-hmm. I knew the women's were pretty far along. So yeah. the, the team's still in. Uh, U.S. has Slovakia. Uh, our, our boys over at the ROC. Uh, 
got Denmark, Finland, Switzerland, and then Canada, Sweden. Yeah, it will be Canada, hopefully USA, Finland, and Russia. Or Russian Olympic Committee. I see all four of those will make it out, and then... I think. See what happens. Yeah, it's a toss up between it's, those. It's just it's it's all a toss up because they're it's not so NHL young. players yeah. and they're mm-hmm. all. They, so the kid from uh, the United States who's been nails in goal, Drew Cam. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he, no, he's been amazing. He's yeah. a Hawks prospect, but the mm. thing is, you look at him and like everything I've read for him, Hawks related. So like, yeah, we won't see this guy for seven five years. Yeah, like, you know, a while. It's crazy. But yeah. he's he's putting the team on his back. Yeah, it's amazing. And taking down mm-hmm. uh, Colleton's boys over there at Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just some big names, too. Uh, Lindsey Jacob Ellis. So some of you might know her. The 2006 Torino Games, it's snowboard cross, so that's just a race down the hill with the snowboard. Everyone goes at once. Oh, this is a great story. She's in first place, easily going to win. She grabs the tail of her board, Aiden, mm-hmm. and she falls down. Gets up, gets silver. Ooh. So basically she dominates the sport. She wins all the world championships. She has like 10 Gold medals, uh-huh. 10 World Cup wins, 10 World Championship wins. But the past three Olympics, she's fallen down, wiped out, out of the Olympics, has not been able to get that gold medal, gets one in the individual snowboard cross. Mm-hmm. And then in the team snowboard cross, which is two people go, a man and a woman for each country, yeah. combine the times, best time wins. Her and her partner, 40-year-old Nick Baumgartner, Good for that in guy. his Last ever Olympics, he's never medaled before, lost in the individual quarterfinals, crying, very emotional interview. He thought he was done. Did he win? He gets put with Lindsey Jacob Ellis. They win gold. So So is that the guy that, um, there was a guy who hit himself. You see that video? I did not. That was not him. Okay. That was not him. Not that I believe. Not that I believe. That was not him. I think him. I know the video that you're talking yeah, about. I have not I mean, seen that video. That's some true pain right there. <laughs> Man. <but. laughs> um. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was a great story. Lindsay Jacob Ellis finally gets her gold medal and gets two of them. And then Jesse Diggins, cross-country skiing, never been America's really pastime. Cross-country skiing is exactly what it sounds like. It's just big marathon events with skis on. And she gets the first individual medal ever for the Americans, a bronze medal. So America is doing big things over here in the Winter Olympics. Um, Amen. And really the last big thing, Aaron Jackson wins gold in the 500-meter long track. And this was a great story. This is kind of a why-we-love-sports moment. So in the U.S. Winter Olympic qualifiers, you know, spot on the team for the Olympics, she's number one in the world, Aaron Jackson is. She slips, and she misses out on the qualifying. You know, the USA only got two spots. Well, one of her best friends who qualified, Brittany Bowe, gave her her spot. Oh, at the wow. 500 meter, because okay. Brittany Bow was competing in other um, events. Aaron Jackson takes the spot, and what does she do? She wins the gold medal. Oh, okay. So that's wow. just kind of a, yeah, why we love sports, why the Olympics are so captivating, all these storylines. And yeah, so it's just been really exciting so far in Beijing. You know, you can watch every night at seven live events. And you can stay up till three in the morning. And you can watch, stay up at three know. in the morning. <laughs> Tonight there's some big events on. You got the, uh, the men's. And Slovakia. Quarterfinals against Slovakia. Mm-hmm. A lot of curling on. I don't know if you guys are big curlers those fans. Those guys I, are those, love watching I have crazy. thoroughly enjoyed the curling. There is um, the men's free ski slope style tonight. So there's a lot of events on tonight. Um, I think there's a rule for curling. It's like 
every Olympic you participate in, you have to vow not to shave your hair or beard until the next yeah, day. Yeah, yep. yeah, I've seen oh, that. They got, yeah. some, they got some boys they have, in there with Yeah, them. they do. Questionable so, looks. Yeah, about five or six days left of the Olympics. It ends February 20th. So, f- I, yeah. The Olympics needs to do a better job of promoting itself you know it's been very promoted on NBC really? it's I, I, every day at seven on NBC yeah. tune in you'll watch I mean everything important happens from about seven to ten they show you live so I feel like I feel like it used to be better I don't know I don't know maybe that's when you were at home as maybe. a kid with the cable on yeah. now you don't have cable anymore oh I got here. cable here you oh okay all right I don't know Every um, every room here has yeah, cable. Just attach the little oh, cord. Well, I yeah, I didn't. It. I didn't know until <laughs> didn't like three months yeah. after oh, yeah. living tune in, here. It tune in tonight, Aiden. Seven o'clock, channel five. I'm going to the Mizzou. <laughs> Busy tonight. But yeah, so five days left. I'm sure we'll there'll be more storylines to cover next Tuesday. We'll go over the uh, second week of the Olympics. Hopefully, more medals from Team USA. They're in fourth right now in the medal count. Germany, the ROC, and. Denmark. Norway. 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 They yeah. are dominant. Ooh, the yeah. yeah, they're very good at skating and skiing, and there's a lot of skating and skiing events, and they win, I would say, a fair share, 70% of the medals in those probably. That makes sense. Yeah. I was looking at, there was odds posted, like, you know, really? betting odds, uh-huh. like, to, you know, most gold medals. And Norway and Nor- was like, I was like, oh yeah. my gosh, this is like the Patriots of the Olympics. Yeah, they dominate <laughs> the Winter Olympics. Yeah. yeah kind of like how the USA dominates the Summer Olympics, Norway dominates the Winter Olympics. Okay. It's kind of crazy, actually. Their just domination is insane. The Alabama. The Alabama of the Winter Olympics. The Norway yes. Olympic Committee. <laughs> all right, see. guys. Anything else from you all? I got a positive note then. Uh, Joe Burrow will not require surgery. Yeah. Just a knee injury. Yeah. Just rehab. Yeah. W. I thought he blew out his knee. I, I was did. hoping Didn't so look good. much. Like that game would have been so boring. I thought we had it. some Brandon yeah. Allen action time. I what think if he's he? The what if there. he comes in and that's leads what I said. The I was like Brandon Allen, that Super Bowl MVP. Been, um, he, MVP, no matter what he did. I was if waiting he threw for one it. pass and they Nick won. Foles part two. Uh, this would have been a lot bigger than Nick Foles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We about ready to head out of here. I think we're, think we're good for the day. Awesome. We got any? Uh, you guys going to the game tonight? Mizzou basketball I'm game. I'm going. Score I got predictions. A lot of studying to do. 80 to 78 Tigers. I got, I got money on Mizzou oh. covering a seven seven and a half right. point spread. 80 so. points is too much. 70 to yeah. 68 Tigers. If, if Mizzou is going to win, it's going to be a low great scoring. Fest. It's going to yeah. 70 80. to 68. Boogie Coleman's going to drop 20. It's hard to get the must bust stuck Coleman. in the mud. Okay. Boogie Coleman. I'm going to see four right. threes out of him. He's going to be dominating tonight. I'm he, looking. He's been I'm shooting a lot for, more lately. I'm looking for Amari Davis taking those jump shots, those in, mid-range in jump shots. Brazil Beautiful. with about 15, I would Ooh, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's really coming on. He, too. he has to step up too. They have no Keita, no Wilmore. They have no size down low. Yeah. That's all he has. So, <laughs> Brazil, step up and is Keita out too tonight? Yeah. Oh boy, and Wilmore. I mean, Keita isn't great as it is. He's basically he's size. He's basically give a guaranteed a three fouls. Give you know, him, give every him a game. few years. He's young. He's like he's, he's Jeremiah years old. Tillman all over again. Yeah. Well, let's see Except Tillman. Smaller. Let's see Tillman. Tillman was really good at the end. Let's I see know. that out of. Yaya. I want to see that development. I'm just saying, freshman year Tillman equals freshman year Yaya I've, Keita. I've, yeah. got, a, I've yeah. got a player for you guys to watch tonight. His name is Connor Vanover. He's on Arkansas. Yeah, he's going to be right near the end of the bench, and if he gets in, it's probably not going to be too good for Mizzou. But the guy might be the tallest person I've ever seen. Yep. And he just stands in the middle of the paint like a robot. Like he doesn't seem to know <laughs> what he's doing. He just takes up space and he, <laughs> he he's the funniest player to watch, but he's good too. And I yeah, so he doesn't love play those a lot. guys. No. Hopefully the must bus gets stuck in Columbia and we figure it out. But they're a good team. And I don't know, maybe we'll break his other arm. So <laughs> go Tigers. 
All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to the Packed House right here on KCOU 88.1 FM. For Grant Salzman, Aiden O'Connor, my name is Mickey Doolittle. Everybody, have a great week and enjoy the sports.